0: Good morning. Isn't it nice, it's February and no longer March, I mean, January. I blew that one, right? Couple of quick announcements um, before we get started. Uh, I, I think in the 30 years of ministry, you know, some good movies have come out and I usually do not. Um, promote movies, Uh, but this one I am, The Jesus Revolution. Have you guys uh, heard of that, the trailer? So it's the story of um, the Calvary Chapel movement, Greg Laurie, uh, uh, the Jesus movement that happened in the 60s. So it's a film that Greg Laurie has worked on, uh, and it's ready for release. And they're going to have it here in Greeley uh, on the... Twenty-second? When it starts the 22nd, then the weekend is the 24th. They're going to have it on the weekend? It starts on the 22nd Wednesday, I think, and then it goes to the 24th. Okay, so what I have is 20 seconds starting through the weekend. Check it. Here in Greeley, 6 p.m., 9.15 p.m., Showings And then also in Fort Collins, if you're over by Fort Collins, same thing. Starts on Wednesdays. Uh, and I would encourage you to go see it. I think it's going to be a great uh, encouragement. I've heard good things about it. Uh, I was with uh, Ed Taylor and Eric Cartier and some of the pastors yesterday. And Calvary Church Aurora is going to be doing a preview showing the film in their sanctuary on Wednesday I believe the 15th and you you have to make reservations for that so I'm sure it'll probably fill up pretty quick down there uh, for that so I want to encourage you to see the movie be blessed kind of get a as we get further away from that time less and less people know you know about the history of Calvary Chapel uh, what was going on during that time and it was an incredible move of God I think I told you how uh, last August I was able to spend a couple hours with Don McClure, who was Chuck's first intern during that time, him and Mike McIntosh. And uh, just to listen to him for a couple hours, Don McClure is in his you know, mid-70s now, he, he's young. Any of you who have seen the Venture in Faith uh, video movie uh, that they made in the 90s, Mike McIntosh and Raul Reese. how many of you guys have seen that? So I want to encourage you. I think you can just pull it up on on YouTube. It's easy to find. um, But pull up uh, Adventure of Faith. You get a good uh, sense of uh, how Calvary Chapel started the movement. And uh, uh, some have said they've watched it and were just really blessed by it. Uh, This movie, uh, I've heard a few people that have uh, previewed it, said they really enjoyed it. Uh, But it talks about how that movement happened beginning in the 60s, early 70s, the Jesus movement. And the last revival, really, I think it's a revival that's continuing to go on um, that took place and how uh, Chuck and Kay began to minister to the hippies that were leaving their homes, coming on the beaches, um, just living there. Uh, A lot of issues they were dealing with, uh, drugs and the things that we see today and, and it gives me hope for the days in which we're in because it's, I believe, even more darker than it was, more challenges, more uh, evil, you know, that has taken place. And I believe God wants to uh, use us to, you know, bring the gospel to others. So I would encourage you, you know, take a look at that. If that's something you desire, I think you'll be blessed by it in that story how, You know, um, the Jesus Revolution happened. It was, you know, in Time Magazine, uh, just a great movement of God uh, that took place. And, you know, talking to Don McClure, he said, you know, we're in the middle of something. We had no idea what was going on. You know, just God moving. And, you know, I long to see something like that again, especially in the days in which we're in. And, uh, f- you know, I'm blessed to see the young people. I'm blessed to see the older people, but you young people that are here. Because we hear a lot about a generation that is lost. And I understand that. But he has you here. He has you to be light. He has you to, um, you know, take the baton as we continue and to minister and to be blessed in service. And God wants to move. I really believe he wants to move before the rapture of the church, um, and he wants to use you and wherever he has you, he wants to use this church and and the Lord is moving you know this week, I think it was this week or last week, just was able to lead somebody to the Lord on the radio right there um, that said i 've been holding back, uh, I keep making excuses, and it 's like no more excuses now 's the time." For you to come to the Lord. Today's the day of salvation. So we prayed right there on the radio. And I believe that God wants to continue to do that and to, for us as a body, to just, in the days in which we are in, to continue to move forward in giving the gospel. That is the hope of our nation. That's the hope of any generation, the young generation. That is the hope for any person, is the power of the gospel. And that's why Paul would write, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. For it's the power of God to salvation for whoever believes, and uh, so it, it, it'll excite you. And, and I just want to encourage you, if you have opportunity, take a look at that, and maybe you want to go out and and uh, and see that movie and kind of see how the beginnings of Calvary Chapel began with that movement. So, Father, we do ask that you bless this time as we talk about endurance. And we do need to endure uh, because there's things that can weigh us down, that can entangle us, things that uh, cause us to just want to stop running our race. I pray that you would, Lord, just uh, encourage us here this morning, uh, even as we've already been encouraged. uh, You want to move. You want to use us. uh, You want to bring salvation. You want to save a nation, a, a generation. A community. So we ask that you would use us. I think of, of the book of Isaiah, when the Lord said, who shall I send? Who shall go for us? And it was the prophet that said, I will go. Send me. And that is our prayer, that send us in the role that you have for us, the giftings given to us as a church, as individuals, to be light. To be light to others to bless and to give the gospel because that is the hope for anyone as we know And the power of the gospel to change an individual so we have need to endure and i pray that you'd bless this time that we have together in jesus name amen if you'll turn in your bibles to hebrew chapter 12 this week week number five we're going to talk about endurance in ministry we've we have Week number one was the call to call the ministry. I just want to encourage you once again, God wants to use you, and to know the calling of God to to understand that He desires for you to be used in the body of Christ because he 's given us all gifts um, is a wonderful thing uh, because uh, there are those that perhaps you might talk to I talk to they think i god can 't use me he doesn 't want to use me. And he does want to use us. And then there's a preparation for ministry, God preparing us for the things that he has, uh, the calling in our lives, the moving forward in the ministry that he wants us to do. And then there, uh, as we went into week number three, the being led by the spirit of God. And that's so important, Uh, just allowing the Lord to lead us and guide us. It's not, this is what I'm going to do, Lord, this is my agenda, get behind me and bless it, but rather it's, Lord, what do you want me to do? And I'm going to get behind you as you lead me, and I'm going to humbly serve you in uh, the calling that you have in my life. And we all are called to ministry, whether... Uh, It's ministry at home. We all have ministry at home, whatever state that we're in, uh, in ministry with the body of Christ. There was a question that came up on uh, Calvary Live this week. Uh, Somebody called me. They're doing a through-the-year Bible study, and this uh, individual called me and said, I got to the part where uh, Moses is told to go to Egypt to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt. And remember the part where God met him on the way and was going to kill him, and and, and so Sapporah um, had to circumcise his son and threw you know the foreskin at him and said, "You're a bloody husband to me." And people have looked at that and said, "What's up with that? You know, what what is the the, the purpose of that? Why is you know what's the application that we can make?" And definitely, it, it's uh, you know, uh, application of obedience. And and Moses, he—it's interesting. It was brought out on Wednesday when another person asked had the same thing. And Moses had two sons: one that he circumcised, the other one he didn't. So why was that? Was it he just wasn't obedient to the Lord? He just thought it wasn't important. Was it because he was trying to compromise with the Midianites? He had a Midianite wife. Um, but here's the application that I made for this individual. He needed to hear this, is that we can be called to minister in the body of Christ. Moses was called to lead two and a half million people out of Egypt, a huge ministry, but it was like the Lord is saying, you need to take care of your family, and you need to be obedient to what I've told you to do, and his wife had to take the lead in that. And so that's the application that I take home with me is as I pastor this church, I cannot forget about the ministry that God has called me at home and the priority of that ministry to take care of that. And then you can go and lead. you know, in the church that you're at. And we see that principle throughout the scripture. So faithfulness in ministry we talked about last week. We're going to talk about endurance in ministry now. As we read in Hebrews chapter 12... Verse 1, therefore, and whenever you see that word, therefore, it, it's connecting to the previous thought, or in this case, the previous chapter, chapter 11, the hall of faith. Most of us are familiar with Hebrews chapter 11, the faith of the patriarchs that um, were are recorded in the Old Testament. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, Let us lay aside every weight in the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our our faith, who for joy that was set before him endured the cross, the spice and the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And we know, as we've discussed, that our Christian lives are likened to a race uh, we know Paul would use that analogy to the Corinthians. And in Corinth, they were very familiar familiar with that. They had the Isthmus Games. Uh, that was kind of like the world championships. We have the Olympic Games. Athens was close by Corinth. They had the ancient Olympic Games, but then they had the Isthmus Games and all the events. And he says, don't you know that those who run in a race all run but one receives the prize. And then he tells the Christians, you're to run in a way that you may obtain it. Hebrews tells us that we have need to endure. So all of us are in a race. And in this race that we're in, that the Bible uses that analogy of us running a race, we're not running against anyone else. And that's what you need to remember. It's your race. It isn't that I'm running against you or um, in any of the other pastors, and let's see who's the best and who's the fastest and who runs the longest. It isn't that, it's you have a race to run. And it's not somebody else's race. And in chapter 11, as he says, therefore, after these examples of faith, those who went through very difficult times, those examples there of the Old Testament, he goes on to say, since we have been surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, and we have a race to run, uh, we are to run with endurance. Therefore, since we have uh, those who have gone on before us, we do know that Second Timothy chapter 2, that Timothy is told some of the last words of Paul, you must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. So we're in a race. There's going to be hardships. We need endurance, therefore, because you are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Now, I've heard a few teachings on this, or sometimes Christians will look at this and say, they picture, you know, those of the Old Testament that are mentioned in the Old Testament saints that are up in the grandstands of heaven, and they're cheering us on. They're going, go, run your race. You know, keep running. I don't believe that's the uh, what is being told to us here. I don't think they're up in the grandstands cheering us on. I believe that what is being said here, you have great examples of faith, chapter 11. And when you look at those of the Old Testament that are mentioned here, Moses, Moses, 40 years in the wilderness, and he went through a tough time taking laps around Mount Sinai. He had Two million people that would murmur and complain against him. They would take a vote of, let's get rid of Moses as the pastor and go back to Egypt. And the vote would be two million to nothing. And he went through a difficult 40 years of ministering. But we know that Moses endured that time. And, And he was faithful to what God had called him to do. You look at uh, David, David of 40 years, uh, being the king. Before that, he had to endure the persecution of Saul coming against him in the prime of his life. But God was doing that work in David's life, preparing him to be the greatest king that Israel would ever have. And then you read about David's life and how he had to endure all the things that he went through. You think about Daniel, Daniel in Babylon. And the study of Daniel has meant more to me now than I think ever before, because I believe that we're living in a culture less like Babylon, trying to take our kids away captive, trying to take us away captive. And Daniel, yet he ministered in faithfulness. He ministered with humility and he had the authority of God's word he had the authority of, of the Lord. He did not compromise that. He was determined not to defile himself. I'm not going to eat of the king's meat and uh, drink of his wine. I'm going to be faithful to the Lord. But he did it in such a way of integrity. Uh, and that was the result of humility and being dedicated to the Lord. And he was one that was used of the Lord in that way. He found favor with the Lord. And I believe that as we are ones, listen, that as we have the authority of Scripture, especially in the culture which we're in, the culture that wants us to compromise or to accept sin or to um, you know embrace and celebrate what culture is doing, that we know the Word of God speaks against and says it is sin, that as we are one that stands for righteousness and as we move forward in humility— Then we will be able to minister with integrity and be a light to others and be used of the Lord in the days in which we are in. So, you know, Daniel, all through his life, endured. I I think of, you know, Paul the Apostle, how he endured. We spoke last week. we've spoken about in Galatians how, on that first missionary journey, that he was stoned and left for dead, dragged out of the city, thrown in a garbage heap. He gets up, he goes back into Lystra and begins ministering all those missionary journeys, the persecution you read about it in second Corinthians chapter eleven. I think how did he endure? That's absolutely amazing, but Paul he shows us in his in the Word of God. That is the love of Christ that motivates us, that constrains us. And here the writer of Hebrews is telling us how it is that we can endure, who perhaps maybe was Paul. So you have these examples of those, great example of faith that are in the scriptures. And I've had those in my life that are great examples of those who endure. I I think about Pastor Chuck. And when the Jesus movement happened, it wasn't this, you know, Wow, look at this. And it was all, you know, uh, you know, fire from heaven, you know, uh, the glory of God being seen and coming down and angels and all of this. It was hard for him because as they were coming, all of a sudden he began to be criticized. He began to hear, you know, this is just a fluke. These, you know, hippies are dirty. Uh, You know, he had difficulties from even his leadership that said, you know, they're coming barefooted. They need to wear shoes or they're not welcomed. And Pastor Chuck had to endure all those things and say, no, they are going to be here. We're going to love them. We're going to minister to them. And in all during that time, it wasn't easy Uh, During that revival that was taking place but he endured so I can look at those in ministry that I've known that have endured years and years of the trials and difficulties because I'll tell you this and you know this to be true you must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. We are in a day that I believe is more difficult to minister, more challenging to minister than any other time. In the 30 years of ministry I've been in, it is a lot different. When we went into 2000, 21st century, you know, I thought, wow, things have changed. But even since that time, in a little over 20 years, how things have changed, how it's getting darker, how we're getting further away from the Lord, all these things. And for the church and for you and I, it is more challenging to minister. But also remember this, it's more exciting. If we are as close to the return of the Lord as I think we are, how exciting it is, could we be the generation that's going to see the return of the Lord? I I think we could be. We don't know for sure. I like to think that. But every day, we're getting closer and we're getting closer, and I feel a sense of urgency to minister and to be a light. So it is challenging. It is difficult, but it, it is an exciting time to be here and to minister and to move forward in what he has for you. So, you know, as we, we experience that, what happens with those in ministry oftentimes is for different reasons, is they'll start serving the Lord, but then they kind of quit. And I've had people that have come to me uh, not as much lately in the last several years, but I remember it used to be, yeah, we I went to Pastor Chuck's, you know, church and on the tent days. And we we're there and it was wonderful, and it's, you know, revival, and we were doing all these things. And I'll say, What are you doing now? Well, you know, kind of, you know, this. And I don't say it condemningly, but one of the things I did learn from Pastor Chuck, he didn't always talk about the past and live in the past. He always looked forward to moving forward to what the Lord has for us. And he used to say all the time, oh, I can't wait to see what the Lord is going to do. And that's the way he lived in that expectation that God is going to work. We're going to move forward We're thankful for the Lord, for what has happened, but we're going to move forward. We need to in what he is going to do. And I believe the same thing here. I can look back at what God has done in the 27 years I've been here at Calvary Chapel Greeley, his faithfulness, his goodness, um, the things that he has done. But I want to keep my eyes in moving forward and looking forward to the things that he wants to do in the days in which we are in. So he says you're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses and there are those who are great examples for us in ministry you need to run with endurance how is it that we run with endurance if you're taking notes number 1 you can you can write this down let us lay aside every weight now i don't know if any of you you know ran track in in high school or maybe in in college or if you The 5K races are kind of popular. Our family, we've run the 5K races at Thanksgiving or the Boulder Boulder or the Fortitude or whatever. And if you do run a race like that, you don't put a backpack on you. You don't wear ankle weights. You know, you don't wear heavy clothing, very light clothing. You don't have weights that are just weighing you down and, and um, hard to run when that is happening. And you don't have a rope around your arms. You're not being entangled. you got to be free to run, right? So that's what here is we look at this analogy of running our race. He says, first of all, let us um, lay aside every weight that can just weigh us down. Um, and as he does that, uh, every weight and the sin was so in easily ensnares us so a weight it could be translated I believe here a hindrance now what is a weight what is a hindrance and it may be something that's not necessarily bad but we are just focused on and given our time to that's really a hindrance of us moving forward in what God wants us to do you say what is it I don't know what is it what is it for you and what it may be for you is different for somebody else. It may be excuses. Well, you know, I'll, I'll, I know the Lord's putting this in my heart, but, you know, I'll move forward when we get to this. And it ends up just being excuses, excuses. I, I understand, listen. And again, I don't want anyone to feel bad, you know, like I'm just coming down hard, but we have different seasons in life. And there are those that I need to focus on taking care of my family and I need to focus on providing for them and raising the kids in the ways of the Lord or taking care of elderly parents or taking care of my spouse, that is a ministry. And move forward in that. But there are times where, yeah, you know, the Lord has put this so that I should, you know, volunteer in this or be a part of that. He keeps putting it on, but, but the excuses keep coming. Maybe that's a weight. Or maybe it's just an attitude of... It's not important. Any kind of weight, anything that begins to weigh you down to where you're not doing what God has called you to do, the opportunities he's given to you, the giftings that he has for you, but I'm just going to this weight. It, maybe it's so involved in hobbies. What would it be like? We all have things that we like to do. Enjoy those things. But I, I think about what would it be like for you guys if I went fishing every weekend or, you know, half the time in the summer. It, 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 just, it, it just would hinder my ministry that I feel that God has called me to, to, to do, and that is to pastor this church. And, and for me, it's different for all the pastors. Some are, will take more time off. My priority for me, and it's always been this way, is You. To be here, not to be off for, you know, a speaking tour, not that anybody would come and listen. You know what I mean? Or I'm going to, you know, take a three-month sabbatical or whatever it might be. That's me. That's what the Lord's put on my heart, to be here on Sunday mornings. And I won't be here every Sunday morning. But those of you who have been around here long enough, you know that there's very few Sundays that I'll take off because I like being here. And that's the calling of God. He's put on my life to to be here, to teach you the word of God. And But if I can make excuses, I can, you know, just say, well, I don't feel like it, you know, this week. And call up Pastor John. Can you do, a, you know, the service tomorrow? There's all kinds of different ways that can weigh us down. And it's just taking an honest evaluation. Lord, is there something that's weighing me down? Is there something that's a hindrance? that I need to put aside so I can move forward in what you have for me. I think that's just what I'm trying to say to you. Um, We know that it's interesting in the Olivet Discourse and Luke's narrative that after Jesus talks about the signs of the times, then he says, listen, don't be weighed down with drunkenness, carousing, and the cares of life. Lest this day overtake you unexpectedly. And I was looking at that, and you can read it, and you can think, well, I'm not going to get weighed down with carousing. I'm not going to get weighed down with drunkenness, but cares of life? Because we all have cares of life. And just as we go to the Lord and say, Lord, I only have so much time when it comes to the kids, when it comes to the activities, when it comes to you know, my job, when it comes to business, but, Lord, I want to be faithful to you and move forward in what you called me to do. And, Lord, just guide me and direct me in that. I don't, I don't want to get so wrapped up in cares of life that it really begins to weigh me down. In my devotion to you and moving forward in knowing you and also just being faithful to you and serving you. I, I hope I'm being articulate enough to where you understand. We all have cares of life. And we all have responsibilities. But, Lord, I don't want anything to come between you and me to where it becomes a hindrance, whatever it might be for you. And here's the other side of the spectrum of that, that if God's called you to right now, I need to be at home taking care of the kids or I need to really focus on providing for my family, don't let anybody put a guilt trip on you. Then that's your ministry. Or I have so much time with the kids before they they leave the house. I understand that because I raised four kids. And I think about David who's graduating. I want to do some things with David because he graduates from UNC in May. I don't know where he's going to end up. And then it's going to be a lot more difficult. So it's going to the Lord and saying, Lord, guide me. Give me peace about this. The peace of God that rules in our hearts. That word peace in Colossians chapter 3 means he makes the call. It's a baseball umpire. And then I can move forward in peace, and I can move forward in just knowing that this is what I'm to do. This is the season I'm in because we go through different seasons of life. But it's not excuses. You know, it's not a bad attitude. It's not I don't care. But we put those things aside and we move forward. So he says, put aside every weight or hindrance. Second of all, lay aside every sin which so easily ensnares us. It means to be entangled, and sin will do that. Just ask Samson. Samson, Samson in the book of Judges, was used of the Lord in a powerful way, wasn't he? I mean, the strength of Samson. Whenever you picture Samson, do you picture him as a big, you know, usually any kind of media display movie, it's Samson, you know, bodybuilding kind of guy, and, you know, he kills a lion with his bare hands and carries a gate, you know, from... Gaza over to, you know, several miles. He just pictured this big, buff guy. I think he was just a tall, skinny guy. <laughs> I really do, because he walked through the streets of the Philistines without being noticed. And, and he just, the power of God, the Spirit of God came upon him, and, and the great strength of Samson and, and um, going against the Philistines with the job. job bone of a donkey, you know, and defeating them and and all these things, but he played around with sin, and all of a sudden, he found himself being bound up, remember, And, and he got his eyes poked out, and then he got hooked up to a millstone, and that's what sin will do. It will bind you, it will blind you, and it will grind you. And that's what happened with Samson. He got prideful. He played around with sin. He wasn't supposed to be doing what he was doing. And then as Delilah, it, it wasn't where, you know, cut my hair and I'll lose my strength. And, and I, I've heard one teaching about, you know, that that was the secret. No, it tells us that the Spirit of God left Samson. He, he didn't even know it because he played around with sin. And sin will hinder us. Sin will ensnare us, tangle us up, to for us to move forward in what God has for us. And of course, we see it. We hear about it. You know, uh, ministry leaders have fallen into sin, and they're disqualified in morality. Um, today, I think it's uh, to me. I do not understand why churches say that. We need to be relevant, and we need to reach the unchurched, so we're going to have alcohol at church, or we're going to have pub theology, or we're going to you know, think it's cool, and we'll show these videos of the home group, and we're all sitting around drinking wine. Listen, we know that the scripture says that there is a sin of drunkenness, and if you have a glass of wine, that's between you and the Lord, but not here. And the reason is, number one, I've talked to too many people that have struggled with that. And to say that we're going to have pub theology and we're going to, you know, go to the, you know, this pub and we're going to have a Bible study. And we're all there are people that cannot handle that. Or it's too much of a temptation. The second thing is I've seen alcohol destroy too many lives. And that's not cool. I've had young guys that have been at my dinner table that have had dinner with our family that are no longer here because they, they grew up, they graduated high school, they started partying, and they got in a wreck. And they're no longer with us. And it makes me angry at what had happened. And the pain that it has caused there are so many people that I have talked to that they'll tell you the pain of alcohol and the pain of drugs. So why is the church bringing it in? So that's my soapbox for the morning. I do not understand why churches would want to do that. And for me, as a pastor, I'm told I'm not to be given to wine. Period. That's what God has said. So sin that ensnares us but yet we see that where you know the church is accepting that which is of the world more and more uncompromising and we're not going to be able to run a race with endurance it's not going to be pleasing to the Lord we need to be light we need to stand against the darkness one of the things that Eric Cartier yesterday he was um, from Rocky Mountain Calvary good friend of mine and he was uh, doing a little devotion with us about Goliath and David. We're all familiar with that, right? And David and Goliath, but he talked about how there's the the Goliaths that are in our lives right now, in culture and in our society and what we face, they're huge. And, And we are called to do battle. And we need to have our sling and the sword of the spirit and there are those times where we want to run away from it. And what has happened in the church, the church has run away. Well, we'll compromise. We'll just, you know, we'll get into progressive theology. And we'll just accept everything and every kind of lifestyle and every kind of sin. And it's, you know, we'll do pub theology. And we, that's how we're going to reach the, you know, unsaved. And it's like, no, it's not. Then why should anybody be a Christian? I'm already that way. Why should I be a Christian? You know, we need to give the gospel. We need to speak of repentance, to be a light. And I've already mentioned this to you, I think, last week. But to be a light means that you are shining forth, that we are to let our light so shine before men that they may see our good works and glorify our Father in heaven. Light doesn't speak words, but it is seen. And I've had more people that I've talked to, that said, we've watched this Christian. I've watched this Christian. I've watched you. I've been to this fellowship, and there's something different. That was a witness. And then we follow up with words. There's something different, something that you have. That's the light that's shining. Be a light to others. Don't compromise. We don't give people darkness We give them light, we give them truth, and we speak the truth in love. So lay aside every sin which so easily ensnares us. The course that we run, we're to run with holiness in our own lives, in the ministry that he's given to us. And then number three, oh, this is so important. Keep looking unto Jesus. He's the author and finisher of our faith. we got to fix our eyes on him. I think that's what the... New American Standard Version says, fixing our eyes on Jesus. I like that. He's the author of life. He is the one who created us for his good pleasures, right? We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works that we should, that he has ordained beforehand, that we should walk in them. He wants to use us. He's the author of eternal life, that he's the one that is the finisher of our faith completing that work he's going to do in us and we've talked about that before keep your eyes fixed on jesus i know i have to do that when covid happened and all of a sudden we shut down and the whole world shut down that that was strange wasn't it very abruptly no warning all of a sudden we had things on the calendar we had things planned And things were happening here. There's a lot of people coming. And all of a sudden, it's like we're shutting down. I remember it was we had Wednesday night service and we were praying for that Wednesday night. Hey, we're hearing about this COVID thing and and there's concern and there may be, you know, shutting down of things and and all of this. And then the next day, everything starts shutting down. And then we said, you know, we're going to do online That was a hard time to endure. And they thought two weeks, remember initially? They said, two and a half million people are going to die. It's like, I don't want to be a part of that. I don't want, you know, people just dying. And, and, you know, you, you can talk till tomorrow. Did they really know what was going on? What was going on? Everything shut down. People all of a sudden lost their jobs. And we're here doing services to an empty sanctuary it goes on two weeks. We, we don't have Easter here. We head into summer. We start gathering again in that summer in other churches as well. But that was a time where we really had to endure. But there were so many distractions. And then what made it even worse is we had an election that year. I'm going to be real honest with you. Every four years, it drives me crazy. And... And I understand those issues are very important. We have people that are part of this fellowship that are part of the political system. I'm thankful for them. But we've got to keep our eyes on the Lord. And there are so many distractions that were out there. And it continued for like two years. It continues today. But when you run a 5K race, you don't say, hey, I think I'll go over there and smell the flowers. Or that's a cool car over there. you got to keep your eye on the course, and you got to keep running. The real key is keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your eyes fixed on him. Keep moving forward. And, yeah, there's a lot of noise and distractions that can come into our lives, but don't let that divert you from the course that God has for you to run. Amen? Keep your eyes on him. Be led by the Spirit of God. And there's so many voices and distractions that are out there that what's happening to ministries and what's happening to pastors. And again, I was talking to some of the guys down there is Is are being led by those things rather than being led by the Word of God and by the Lord leading them and guiding them and keeping your eyes on Jesus. And that's what I need to do. I need to keep my eyes on the prize. I need to move forward to the upward call of God in Christ Jesus, keeping my eyes on Jesus knowing that he's going to be faithful to complete that work in me. So keep looking unto him. Don't get distracted by everything that's going on. And there's different issues that are important to us that we'll be involved in, but it's always centered around the Lord. He's the priority of every area of our lives, every interest of our lives, uh, whatever it is that we're doing, wherever he's placed us. i got to keep my eyes on him. And then fourthly, For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. The joy that was set before him. In a couple weeks, we're going to talk about joy in ministry. Because the Lord wants us to do our ministry with joy. Paul talks about tribulation, chains that await me. None of these things move me. But I'm determined to finish my race with joy. So he wants us to do our ministry with joy. We're going to talk more about that. What can take our joy away? Because there's many things, or there's people that can take our joy away from the Lord to where it just becomes heavy, and we will go through those seasons. But he wants us to move forward in joy. Jesus, for the joy that was set before him, that he went to the cross. He endured the, the cross, the shame. And he went for you and for me and I believe the primary and most Bible teachers do that the joy that was set before him was you, was me. He went to the cross for us and when you make that personal to somebody about the gospel, he went and died for you. You're going to see their eyes kind of get a little bit bigger. Even if they're hostile, he died for you. And there are those once in a while that get really mad or whatever. Maybe they're being convicted, but he died for you. And it was for the joy that was set before him. He endured the cross, despising the shame, and he sits down at the right hand of the Father. He went to the cross for you and for me. It was a joy for him to die for us. It wasn't like, oh, i got to die for that miserable Jeff. No, he, he... Because of his love for us. But I think there's a secondary application. I think that the joy that was set before him was being obedient to the Father. Because it was the Father's will that he would go to the cross. And it wasn't like the you know plan of salvation that Father, Son, Holy Spirit. It's like, okay, we choose you, Jesus. You're the one that's going to go and you know. He's going, oh, I got the short straw. You know, I know that maybe kind of a ridiculous example, but all in unison, that Jesus, before the foundation of the world, the Lamb slain for us, and it pleased Jesus for the joy to be obedient to the Father. And in that time where he's sweating great drops of blood, he's going, oh, Father, he knew the sufferings that were going to take place. Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will but your will be done. And in those times where we go through trials and difficulties, where we feel like just quitting, and I've been through those days and those moments. That it's not my will, Lord, but your will be done. And the Lord reminds me to serve him and to be obedient to what he has for me is something that should bring you joy and has eternal value. It should bring us joy to be obedient to the Father, what he has for you. And it's going to take endurance at times. To endure the difficulties and the hard times and the doubting and the attacks of the enemy, the difficult culture that we live in, you have need of endurance. But know this, that as you say, Lord, not my will, but your will be done, that he's going to enable you and help you. And as we see it as a privilege, we get to serve the true and the living God that you would even use me that that joy begins to come back, because I want to be obedient to you, Lord, and in my life and how I live for you, and there should be joy in that we have need to endure, listen that's why it's important that we have classes like this, discipleship, that we're in fellowship, that we're here to encourage one another. The last thing, fellowship, be with the brethren. Be with the brethren. Because it helps me when I come here. And we get to be together as a family, the family of God. We had men's breakfast this morning. It it was a great time of just talking and encouraging one another and being here to pray for one another. Because if you get isolated, then that's an opportunity for the enemy to just beat on you. And just pounce on you. And come against you. But as you're here in fellowship. And just continuing to be with the brethren. Being a part of the body of Christ. It's going to help you to endure. It's going to help you to keep moving forward. As we provoke one another for good works. And encourage one another to keep going. So here looking unto Jesus. The author and finisher of our faith. Who for the joy that was set before him. Endured the cross despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand at the throne of God. And to remember this, as we run our race, run in such a way that you may obtain the prize, the eternal rewards that he has for you and for me. Life is but a vapor. It really is. And I'm at the point in my life where I look back at most of my life then I have to look forward to it. And if the Lord tarries, I hope to be able to minister is. As long as I can, as long as I have breath, as long as I have strength. But I know that's a very short time. Is it 20 years? That's a short time when you speak about eternity. So we're here for such a time as this, short time. Just keep moving forward. Keep being used of the Lord. and, um, And just allow him to, as we keep our eyes focused on him, setting aside any hindrance, Uh, weight and laying aside and putting aside every sin that ensnares us you'll be able to run with endurance so father we thank you for this time and just some principles i mean we can spend a lot more time talking about endurance we do need to endure as good soldiers of jesus christ because it's a war out there it's a battle out there and the enemy comes against us and the world comes against us and then our flesh comes against us even so help us to keep our eyes fixed on you, depending on you. Lord, to be with the, the brethren, because we can be surrounded by those of faith, those who have endured, those who are seasoned, to encourage the younger, to glean from the younger, to have that excitement. And Lord, help us, Lord, in the days in which we're in, to keep eternal perspective. Not to get distracted with everything. I know there are issues that are very important. And there's cares of life that we're involved in when it comes to our families, when it comes to our children, our grandchildren, when it comes to our work, when it comes to what we see around us. I understand that. But Lord, you would always be the priority and guidance. And Lord, that we would desire to please you where you've placed us in the season that we're in. And Lord, to keep moving forward in endurance, in faithfulness, next week in humility, with integrity, being a light to others. I pray that you would use this church. I pray for an outpouring of your Holy Spirit, like what what took place in the Jesus Revolution, because I know you want to save. That you would use us to, to bring the gospel to those who are linked us to our lives, that you would use us to bring the gospel to this community and beyond. Lord, you're coming back, your son soon. So we want to be used in the days in which we're in, even though they're perilous times. Lord, I thank you for this time to be encouraged. So, Lord, bless everyone here as we go our way, as we gather tomorrow again for services. and We just commit all these things to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So good to have you guys come out. I hope you're being blessed. I'm here to just pray with you. Um, if you need prayer for anything, just encourage you any way I can. Next week will be humility, and then we'll talk about joy in ministry, and then the loving others in ministry. and. It'll be the eight weeks. All right? God bless you. Have a great day.